Welcome back, star fuckers, to Nailed Even Deeper, where we go beyond the halos. And this time we're going beyond the fragile for the very first time. And what are we... What are we going beyond? What are we going even deeper? Ooh, even deeper. It's, it comes from this album. Nice. Oh, it's not just a solo <laughs> podcast. There's two people. So that was Jess. I am Blake, of course. What are we diving even deeper into the sea to talk about, Jess? Well... I thought that we could talk about sequencing the fragile. First of all, what is sequencing? Number one. Number two, why is sequencing this album so important that we need to talk about it? Well, sequencing is the placement and order of tracks on a record in a way that makes sense to the listener. Start and to that's finish. From start to finish, and that just flows perfectly. A record needs a beginning, a middle, and an end. You got a bunch of songs, mm-hmm. but guess what? You don't have a record yet until you put them in the right order. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you have to get rid of songs. Yeah, because guess what? Formats, well, not anymore with streaming and all this YouTube uh, stuff the kids are into. <laughs> Unlimited, but... Uh, you know, a wax disc was you could only fit so many minutes on. Even a CD could only fit seventy-five minutes on. Mm-hmm. Cassettes have some limit that I don't know off the top of my I head. Know. I had mixtapes that were like ninety or one twenty, so okay. sixty on each side. Okay, maybe was the that's, max. That's a lot. I think traditionally a thirty-three and a third speed vinyl disc, you can squeeze. 20 to 30, somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes on just one side. So not a lot. And that can vary, of course, based on how close you put the grooves. And Trent Reznor uh, might have a little to say about that when he was working on vinyl format for The Fragile. Okay. I was right. They they can have 60 minutes per side. I was double checking that to make sure I wasn't crazy. So. You Most commonly is 30, 45, or 60 minutes per ah, side. Ah, okay. So, yeah, a cassette album could be way too long if you let it. So, sequencing. Sequencing. Sequence. So, why was it so important for The Fragile? Is that yes. the other question? That's right. Okay. Reznor and Mulder could not be objective. <laughs> and they were trying very hard to sequence the album and they knew they had to get rid of some songs because they had what 50 more than 50 i don't know the exact number i don't yeah we don't think anyone can know the exact number who wasn't in the room but i mean look at deviations and how many tracks are on that and that is not even all the tracks that were in the like the main song pool of everything that is the fragile and that includes like sketches of music that didn't even really become full songs but there was just like a ludicrous amount of music at the end of the day and they're like how do we what stays and what doesn't how do we determine that we can't be objective about our own work we've been living inside this beast for two years and we've lost uh, our minds a bit and it's hard 
to be objective about your own work when you've lived inside of it that long. Take it from me, a podcaster, musician, drummer, uh, librarian. I'm just waiting for Jess to look. Sorry, I was trying to see if anyone actually knew the total number of songs that were recorded. I don't think Trent has ever told us. Damn you, Trent. Or anyone else, for that matter. I thought I would just he, double check because I, like, I have not come across it in anything I've read, but I haven't read everything in the world. So. He likes being cagey and a little bit withholding about the whole truth on things, you know? And we love him for that, don't we? Trent does? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It's a joke. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So, eventually they did bring in a person to come in and be an objective listener who was not involved in the recording process, but who has experience in music and in music production and recording and writing. Yeah. But first, they did try on their own Mm. to sequence the fragile. Right. And we've seen the white marker board evidence of this from snapshots by Rob Sheridan uploaded to NIN.com. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, actually, I think they were from the Fragility Tour book, but they might have been uploaded yeah. to NIN.com, oh, too. okay. No, you might be wrong. I don't know if they were. Yeah, I think I'm confusing two different things. They may or may not have been taken by Sheridan, but he was doing around the studio stuff. Anyway, yeah, they were from the tour book. Yeah. So, the first order. Do we need to do this? Yeah, and do we know if this is like the whole album? This is just what was on that whiteboard. These are just what's on the whiteboard. So we don't know. The total number of tracks on the Fragile is what, 23? Yeah. And this is not, this is like 17. 17. And then one of them is 14. They So they were maybe thinking it was a single album at this point. This that, might have still been before mm-hmm. they decided it was a double album. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a theory. And yeah, just cramming 17, 14 to 17 tracks in there. But yeah, it's a bit different. Uh, significantly different. Okay, so you ready? Yep. First attempt. And this, by the way, I don't actually know if this was a first attempt. This is just the first photo. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ignore that me we when know I say of. first attempt. That we know of. <laughs> okay. So, somewhat damaged. And that, I think from a very, very early, from the very early days, was going to be always going to be track one for it is some reason. number one on all three of yeah, these it's always at the first spot yeah. and it's obviously number one in the finished version yeah so okay somewhat damaged la mer very different into the void which yeah leads to la mer acting as an intro to into the void or they're almost yeah they're intertwined in a way that was untangled in the the final two disc version Mm -hmm. the wretched following the wretched even deeper be weird to have even deeper so early on the album right yeah the new flesh kind of a yeah weird like almost like an intermission or something the day the world went away seems weird not being early on the album yeah complication please Okay. Starfuckers. Please and Starfuckers together forever. Rotation? Rotation is one of possibly the only song we have no clue what it really is. And we can talk more about that. Okay. Uh, The Fragile. There we go. The title track. (laughs) 
it was going to be way later. Yeah. The mark has been made. Okay. Stained, which people think maybe underneath it all, like an early working title for yeah, that. Yeah, I think the only song with the word stained in the lyrics. Anomaly. Which people believe became The Way Out Is Through. Mm-hmm. Ten Miles High and Pilgrimage. Pilgrimage to close the, the album. I don't know about that. Yeah. It kind of seems like, yeah, was that really going to be the closer? I don't know. I don't That's know weird. if I like that. Also, that's still the closer on Order 2. You ready for Order 2? Yeah. Somewhat Damaged, La Mer, Into the Void. That was locked in. So somewhere along the way, they really changed their mind. Probably when they were like, we're going to do two CDs. Mm -hmm. They really changed their mind on on the whole La Mer, Into the Void thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Day the World Went Away. Okay, so they moved that way up. Mm -hmm. Even Deeper. That's too early in the album. Still number five. (laughs) Too early. Um. It was number five in order one. Also notice the frail, a lot of songs didn't exist. The frail didn't exist, and we, we'll we get into why. Okay. Um, the New Flesh. So five and six are still the same. The New Flesh and Ten Miles High, which didn't quite make the, which didn't make the CD version per se, were still very early part of the album. Yeah, interesting. Okay, Complication. Mm-hmm. Please, Anomaly, Starfuckers, Interesting. The Fragile, The Mark Has Been Made, The Wretched, Really Late, Stained, Rotation, Ten Miles High, and Pilgrimage. You know what's bothering me? There's there's no Just Like You Imagined. It Maybe may, it wasn't written it yet. It may have not existed yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it probably didn't. It wasn't in the song pool yet. Yes. But what? Okay, so what are your... Oh, so Thoughts. the f- oh, there's, there's another one. right, yes. right, right. So there was an image taken of a CDR, and this is taken from that track list, and it was also printed in the Fragility Tour book. So this, because it's only one CDR, is shorter. Um, somewhat damaged, La Mer, Into the Void, The Wretched, and then even deeper, but even deeper is crossed out. And ripe with decay is written in there. That instead. would be very weird to put ripe. That early. <laughs> uh, the New Flesh, The Day the World Went Away, Complication, Please, Starfuckers, Rotation, The Fragile, The Mark Has Been Made, and Stained. So Stained, or if it is underneath it all, going toward the end, like they ended up doing, Complication and Please used to be best buddies, roommates, uh, early on, and then they had to become... Slightly disentangled, but please, leading into Starfuckers was was a thing. Rotation. Rotation could be any number of the tracks on, um, like on Deviations, many lyricless tracks with weird names. Could have been any of those. It could have been... uh, I had a thought early on when I was reading these, like, Mm -hmm. what if it was just like you imagined? It I mean, could, it have, could been have been that. It very well could have been. Could have been an early title. A lot, very For a single album, very heavy instrumental. or inst- It's instrumental heavy. Well, as we'll talk about, a lot of these were instrumentals and lyrics were kind of added later. But whenever Reznor was first recording this, it was almost all instrumentals that he had and was presenting to like Mulder, like instrumental demos and stuff. So Somewhat Damaged, a very harsh song. Directly going into La Mer, the softest opening. 
possibly on the record, I think was an intentional like whiplash, extremely hard to extremely soft. I think he wanted that. This is all just speculation. I think that's what he wanted for a one-two punch, so to speak. And then, of course, Lemaire uh, lends itself to be coming into the void since they are this, they have the same structure in the beginning. But yeah, I don't I don't really know what changed his mind about that. This didn't feel right. You know, sometimes you listen to things and you're like, this isn't vibing. I'm sure many people have been doing this for the last 20 years, but we could put together a little, rearrange some tracks and make a little mixtape and mix CD and listen to what it would sound like if, if this did exist in this form. Probably in here I'll drop in what is somewhat damaged leading into La Mer would sound like. And possibly even what a La Mer leading into Into the Void would sound like. I'll try to make that happen okay. and drop it into the podcast. Wretched loves being at track number four. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is it? It's missing a lot. Pilgrimage. Pilgrimage didn't make the compilation CD. Mm-mm. Rotation. I, I'm going to say that's just like you imagined. We're in this together. That must have been a later song. Oh, it was. They were. We'll talk about that when okay. we get to that song. But yeah. it was basically still being recorded, like at the very end, because Reznor <laughs> could not get, like, he could not get the. The sound he I'm wanted. sure it was an extremely hard and tortured song to record for many reasons, vocally and instrumentally. But yeah, it, we're in this together was probably like the essay that you are writing at 4 a.m. <laughs> and you have to like get on the school bus at 7 a.m. But yeah, or the paper you're typing up in college and you're tired because you worked at a bookstore until midnight because for some reason a bookstore Awful. in Springfield, Missouri is open until midnight. Every Awful. on the weeknights. This was Barnes and Noble. And then you get home. Why well, was... we were open until eleven, but you get home yeah, at midnight. Oh, yeah, because the awful, horrible. the torturous, making you stay after clothes bullshit. Yeah. Um, and then I get home. I'm tired. I smoke a little pot and watch Sister Sister, mm. <laughs> followed by Even Stevens, one or the wow. other. It was a good Disney lineup. And then I would do my homework, my homework for school. That was my we're in this together. Was me writing a paper on fucking Tolstoy at four in the morning. Yep. It's just mm-hmm. like we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Just exactly like that. 
um, one of our favorite tracks, Where Is Everybody? Where is Where Is Everybody? It's not on here. Maybe that was rotation. Maybe that's rotation. I don't think it is, but because it has a very recognizable chorus refrain, unless that didn't happen till later. Wait, the big come down. But doesn't it sound like the chorus is like a rotation, kind of? Uh, yeah, yeah, like around, you know, the vocal, this, uh, the singing thing, doing around. Stop, she's doing <laughs> round and round with her finger ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. It's like a vocal round, not really, but sort of. Big Come Down is a song I would really miss. <laughs> so maybe that was a later one. I can definitely see that being a late in the game creation. I'm trying to think of what else we're missing. This is off the top of my head. I'm not even looking at track lists. We're not. Oh, well, duh. Where's the frail? Well, that... Did you already talk about that? I'm. You've probably come across it in your research, and mm-hmm. we'll talk about it when we get to it officially, probably in the main feed, but the frail didn't exist, um, correct me if I'm wrong, until a remix of The Fragile inspired Trent to do the frail. Does that sound right? No, you don't. No, you don't. A song I love. The Great Below. The Great Fucking Below, which I think is almost like a a thesis type song of The Fragile. Or I'm looking forward to joining yeah, you. Yeah, I'm looking forward. Definitely not on here. Okay, I think that's... Yeah, The, the Great Below kind of shocks me that it wasn't on here. Did you hear what I said about the, about the Frail thing? Mm-hmm. That it was just kind of like... It was like the fragile had the title track had a little baby later, and that baby was the frail. And La Mer had a yes. baby, and it was a big baby. It was a big fat baby, mm-hmm. and it was a banger called Into the Void. <laughs> Into the Void in this these early track lists has like a hit single placement. It really does. Yeah, where you it's put early it in the album. track two or three, mm-hmm. which yeah, traditional <laughs> banger. I think if Into the Void had been the first single, I think the sales might have been better. Possibly. I be, think the yeah. day the world went away is pretty hard, and I still think we're in this together is it's hard not, to, yeah. not necessarily a traditional first single, but That's, Into the Void has hit written all over it. Oh yeah, and it's danceable. It's it's more upbeat. It's more catchy. Cat, extremely catchy. Uh, I I never heard it on the radio in my life. It's got the trademark Reznor groove. You know, people were talking in Discord, and apparently it was on, like, TRL a couple times, and which blows my mind. Into the void? Maybe, I, it, I could, maybe it showed up, like, when The Fragile was new. or But it wasn't an early it, single. Yeah, I'm sorry. When the, when the music video was new, I can see it maybe scraping the bottom of the... How did TRL operate? A top 10 list? Yeah, so I believe you would vote, right? Like you would call in and vote, like on a little system, like keypad on your phone or something. I never, I never did the TRL thing. But yeah, I don't, it probably didn't hit number one, you know, but. What, you don't think it could be? I bet it was on the early. Blink 182's all the small things? No, it never. (laughs) But no, I, I honestly couldn't stand Carson Daly, so I never really watched TRL. He has the personality of a piece of unbuttered toast, and I just made that up right now. (laughs) Pretty good. It's pretty bland is what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't understand why he's a a TV personality at all. He was a radio personality first, I think, and then became a TV personality. (laughs) he's got the face for it. Oh, he's not unattractive. That was mean. He's... I just... His, he's also a bit bland in the. No, never mind. I don't need to. I don't need to act like that. Come on, come on, me. He's just kind of. 
milk toast. Yeah. 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 Nothing, nothing wrong with him, nothing right with him. Nothing, nothing to write home about, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it made an appearance on TRL, but didn't mm-hmm. make a lasting impression. No, everyone would rather watch Eminem. Yeah, for 50 weeks. I was mm-hmm. watching in that when in he sync. had that year-long run of being number one. What was it? What song? The Real Slim Shady. Um, it was not a, I don't think it was a full year of being number one, but it's a very, very long time. It was agonizing. I definitely was not watching TRL at all then. That was second. No, you're too goddamn cool. Uh, no, I was in college at that point. I'm old. <laughs> I know. Only a little bit older than me, though. I am glad. I like The Fragile better as the double album with the less traditional track format mm-hmm. without doing the hit single <laughs> track two or three. Although I like the Whiplash somewhat damage into La Mer idea but I think I overall I'm I'm glad it ended up the way it did as a double album that is not mainstream accessible but still it's mainstream accessible for one week and then no longer and then, then people are like oh uh well I don't want to listen to this <laughs> so before we dive into uh, who came along and actually sequenced this and how that worked I want to talk about the different formats of the fragile and why cassettes yeah the vinyl and the CD all have different they have extra tracks or some are missing tracks depends on how you look at it but Right. There were little extra things, and there's a reason why. Little appendages. Exactly. You could say. So this came from, um, I believe this was a post on NIN.com, probably in 1999 or 2000, from Reznor. And he said, I've been doing a lot of European press lately, and they've been mentioning the various configurations of the fragile, and wondering if there was a reason, other than to make the hardcore fan buy them all, to have different tracks on them. Did you? I did not at all, but if I were older, had more disposable income, I would have. Yeah, I just kind of like the, we do now. I just had the CD. I didn't right. start buying vinyl until like two thousand two. Um, <laughs> this is kind of funny, but took me longer. But yeah, go ahead. But my friend came back from his mission. He's a good Mormon boy, and he gave me his record player and all of his records when he came back because I think he was too pure. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I just had a. I had two burned CDRs, a friend burned me, and then later I went and bought myself the actual double disc CD set, and that was stolen, and then I bought it later again. (laughs) (laughs) But neither one of us ever had cassette. No. Yeah. I hated the idea of cassettes even then, and I never really warmed to it. Well, I have a certain... Uh, nostalgia for cassettes. I, I wouldn't too. say that I love them. I, I, there's something about them that I'm still nostalgic for, but I'm also just nostalgic for physical media in any form, I feel like. Yeah. VHS. Probably not DVDs or CDs as much, which is weird. CDs are coming back for me because I am, I'm realizing that they are, even though CD resolution is not great on an absolute scale it's leaps and bounds better than what we're used to on streaming so going back to cds is like oh wow uh the resolution's better i can hear it now but i i shouldn't act snobby about cassettes because i did grow up on cassettes i did have 
I did tape things off the radio. Oh, I, yeah. I did have Bon Jovi. That was our streaming kids. Slippery when wet <laughs> on cassette. Yeah, yeah. If we wanted to stream something, we turned on KIDS Kids Radio, okay? And we listened to Disney scores. And, and if we wanted to listen to something multiple times, we recorded that stuff on a right. cassette tape. Gangsta's Paradise on the tape. You ought to know. I would just have to sit there and hope a DJ would play You Ought to Know, which eventually they did hour on the hour, but when it first came out. No. Ninja Rap, you know I got it on that fucking tape, and I wore that tape. I let my tape rock till my tape pop, as Biggie said when it came to Ninja Rap. And then uh, songs off of... Beauty and the Beast and Lion King. Because <laughs> that's the kind of shit they played on kids' radio. I actually had those soundtracks on cassette. So as we were just wow. talking the other night, we were talking about how Ariel only has one <laughs> song and she's the fucking princess. Same number of songs. We're just still in the Flophouse bit, but yeah. same number of songs as the chef with no name. Yes. Less songs than the fucking The crab, crab. has more. <laughs> that crab is good. Let's not get this twisted, but Ariel. Ariel is better. Uh, Her voice is gone for half the movie. That's probably why. Silencing women. I mean. All the time. But, uh, wait, where were we talking about? I'm sorry. We got way off cassettes. Oh, the cassette format. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was telling you that I could do, like, all the interstitial bits. Like, I have chunks, big chunks of dialogue that I've memorized because I would listen to those Disney soundtracks so much. Like, so I could... Did you know, like, all the dialogue leading into, like, Gaston's song? Um, if someone starts it, I could probably carry on. No, I, I don't remember, but I like that song. No one... Sorry, I was thinking about the, uh, um, damn it. What's the little guy's name? Lefo? LeFou? LeFou. His friend. That's it. The little yeah. guy. <laughs> he is a little guy compared to Gaston, Lefou. who's large. LeFou. LeFou, I'm afraid I've been thinking. <laughs> anyway, so. Ooh, LeFou. Now we're just thinking about the <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I like how the movie starts with Belle. Yes. I was a big bookworm. And, and she... so I always identified a lot with Belle, although secretly my favorite was Ariel because I thought she was. Fine. So pretty. <laughs> Bonjour. Bonjour. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Dun, 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 I wish I knew the lyrics. Must be cured, they're mademoiselle. Good track. Banger. Here in town, there's only she. Wait, I was singing Gaston's part, because Gaston started singing, Here in town, there's only she, who is prettier than me, so I'm making plans to woo and marry Belle. That was horrible. I can't sing very well. Isn't that what he says? To woo and marry yeah, Belle? Yeah. Like, he's going to force marry her. Well, that's because she's the only deal. one who's better looking than him in the well, whole town. Yeah, that's how, that's how you do it. I mean, you got Gaston or you got LeFou. 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 L-F-A-E-U-X. It's French, people. I thought it was L-E-F-O-U. No, it's, it is. It's, oh it's not what I said at all. But if, it, if they were true to the French, it would be... With an X. That's why I'm having a hard time. Gosh, she's like crying. <laughs> we have to talk about... Okay. So, sorry, I'm going to continue with what Reznor was saying. Yeah. If you're curious, here's why. We agonized over the sequencing of the record and focused solely on the CD configuration as the definitive one. After the decision was made to move to two CDs, the problem then became removing tracks to get the right feel and flow. Taking the new flesh off the CD was a tough call because Alan and myself really, really liked the track, but it destroyed the balance and just didn't fit. Hmm. 
When we assembled the cassette, we now had four beginnings and endings to contend with instead of two of each for the CD. Follow? It worked pretty well just dividing the songs up, but we wanted A-sides of the cassettes to be slightly longer than the B-sides, so that when the tape flips over, you are not in the middle of the first song on that side. I was thinking about this, because I read this too, and I should know better because I grew up with cassettes doing this, but it's been a long time. You reach the end of the side, you haven't necessarily used up all your tape, so you, you can stop it, Unless you want to listen to a, a bunch of blank tape, the entire tale, you stop it after your final song on that side is done. Then you take it out and flip it. And now you're no longer at the beginning of side B because you didn't stop at the end of side A. Yeah. You're Or fast forward to the end before you flipped it. Correct. So, okay. I think I'm getting it now. The appendage, which I'll let you explain, the appendage, I'm guessing, people who own the tape can, can fill us in on the specifics, but I'm guessing appendage takes would take us to the actual physical end of the tape length. Therefore, when you flip it, you don't have to do anything. It's already at the beginning. Okay, so we added the appendage to please to make that work. Whenever... Because I knew there was a like a B-side or whatever that I didn't have called plus appendage. Mm-hmm. And I, I was always just like, plus sign appendage. What a weird name. What a weird title. But literally, it's just an appendage. I mean, it is a good piece of music in itself, but it's also just to append to the the side to make it longer and fill the tape length. Okay. So now for the vinyl. The decision to move to three discs was based on fidelity. You can only fit so many minutes on a side of vinyl before it degrades the sound. As I talked about earlier, I think it's some, it can vary between 20 and 30. Uh, More than that, your grooves get too close together if you try to cram it in and it sounds like shit, your needle will jump grooves. Yeah. So now we are faced with six beginnings and endings. Simply splitting up the sides didn't work as well this time, so we decided to include the other two tracks we had been considering, 10 Miles High and The New Flesh, as well as use the unedited versions of all the other songs on the record. The vinyl sequencing has actually grown on me lately as a viable alternate. Just thought you might want to know. So that is why... You know what I really like uh, is that he cares enough, because not everyone would, that transitions matter beginnings uh transitions between tracks and ends matter i think it's because to him albums matter he's not singles driven so everything on his albums like all of his albums almost all of them you just have to sit and listen to yeah and it's better to experience that way in general um but yeah many artists it doesn't necessarily matter how a side starts or if the side ends the correct way not everyone puts such uh obsessive thought into all the things like that across all formats so he didn't care if he had a tape player he wanted you to have a good experience and not be in the middle of a song when you turned the tape over i was always a little or when i first found out that like the vinyl didn't have it had ripe but it didn't have decay 
and yes, I'm pretending that those are two different songs because to me they kind of are. I was like, that's that's weird because I'm pretty sure there's room for decay. I think there's there might be a little debate around that, but I I mean you can physically see a lot of room left. But it was decay was always on the CD version and I think the cassette too, but not on the vinyl because I guess the CD was as he said in that interview is seen as more the more definitive or was at that time the cd was like the definitive version of it and the vinyl was like an extra but i don't know if i'm shelling out for the vinyl i want i want my decay on there <laughs> that's one of my that's really one of my only gripes about yeah. the amazing definitive edition vinyl. well i'm glad you got this as a gift and didn't have to pay for it yeah i mean that rocked yeah. but that that was a one of the best christmas gifts ever because sometime not long after that, it sold out and never came back in stock. Uh, that, you can thank me for telling the person who asked. Yeah. She didn't buy it, but she did suggest it to family. I already bought you a cool present. But that, that person bought you the Downward Spiral with teeth and the Fragile. Yeah, that's, that's a big Because you picked big up basket. this huge brick and yeah. you're like, what the hell is this? And they had wrapped them all together in I, one Yeah, uh, I know. I thought maybe it was yeah. a big vinyl box set, but... Yeah, pretty kick-ass vinyl haul there. Anyway, sequencing the fragile. Yes. So, having problems sequencing, and um, they decided to reach out to someone. Do you know who they reached out to? Bob Ezrin. Who's Bob Ezrin, Blake? I don't pretend to be an expert on the man, but Trent probably knew him for working with two of his Longtime faves, uh, childhood faves, Pink Floyd and Kiss. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, very notably, The Wall. Mm -hmm. Co-produced that. Se helped sequence it or did a lot on it. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't produce the fragile in any in any way, but he was brought in just for sequencing. Mm -hmm. So he is a Canadian record producer, arranger, and songwriter. Oh, I didn't know he's Canadian. We watched that interview with him yesterday, and it was on the CBC, right? Oh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't catch that part. I don't know. They weren't like. He was talking about sorry. how he was a CBC rat. Okay. Like his first job. I thought he said BBC. <laughs> I know they were. They didn't have British accents, but. Anyway, so yeah, so he's worked with uh, Pink Floyd, co-produced The Wall, um, amongst other albums. He worked a lot with Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper All called right. him my George Martin. Like. <laughs> <laughs> he seemed like he. Mm -hmm. knows he knows what he's doing he also produced one of your favorite albums peter gabriel's debut solo album i think he did an awesome job like salisbury hill the sound of that awesome track is due to of course peter gabriel and the other band members but bob ezrin as well made mm -hmm. a lot of decisions on that but he's also worked with lou reed he produced berlin um, he's worked with more contemporary artists like the Jayhawks and Deftones. He produced Saturday Night Wrist. And he's worked with, um, this is kind of weird, but Andrea Bocelli. Do you remember him? Who's that? Well, okay. he's, I call them pop, pop stars. And it's, when I worked at Barnes & Noble, there were certain genre of music that oh. I called popera, like opera. Yeah. So it was like Josh Groban, who my friend and I decided to call Josh Groban because it sounded gross. <laughs> Michael Bublé. No, well, no, because he was more standards. Okay, but he was a big Barnes and Noble. Yes, he was a big Barnes and Noble seller. play. But Andrea Bocelli was also kind of in that vein where, okay. like, they were opera singers, but there was something that made them more cross pop. over into like popular yeah, popular music. Popular music.
Bob Edwin has worked all across the board from your shock rockers to your prog, your art rockers. And they, I mean, let's face it, Fragile falls into the prog art rock in a way. Yeah. It is a big self-indulgent tendencies. double album. Yeah. Progish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also the Canadian tenors. Sorry, I didn't want to take away from them. The Canadian tenors, mm-hmm. who we all know and love. I don't I mean, if it ain't the three tenors, I don't. I don't want it. <laughs> Blake loves Pavarotti. <laughs> you won't hear any Pavarotti slander. Uh, I'm more of a. Uh, who, who could forget the three tenors? Pavarotti, Luigi, Mario. One was Placido Domingo. <laughs> it sounds I'm not like kidding. you're making up joke names. <laughs> no. Hold on, I know this from working. I'm trying to think of the third because I, I would also put them in pop. Well, not really, but kind of in popra, just because, like, even, like, a lay person would be like, oh, yeah. I like, like oh, uh, I like Hamilton because it's a hip-hop-pra. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Did is. anyone ever use that term that I just invented? Probably some hack reviewer. Hold on. I got to look up this third tenor. I feel so bad for this third tenor. Liberace. There we go. Jose Carrer- Carreras? Ho- okay. All right. But I was right about, anyway, whatever. Sorry, uh, Jose. I feel really bad. To yeah, them. sorry to this man. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> not that big a deal. Let's continue. Um, excuse me, he was the third tenor. Not oh, that big okay. a deal. Yeah, but that's not, that's not germane to the topic <laughs> okay. tonight. Yes. Back to sequencing. Ezrin. I apologize. So, in 1999, Reznor told Kerrang, I was trying to make something cohesive, but I couldn't listen to the songs objectively. I needed someone from outside, someone with a good storytelling approach. I had a list of people, including Brian Eno and Todd Rundgren, who both made records with a flow, and Bob was at the top of the list. He loved Nine Inch Nails, and he did an incredible job. But he had... Brian Eno and Rundgren were on his list now of people I'm to work with. Of, yeah, we we talked earlier on the podcast about how Reznor and Eno never worked together, but should have match made in heaven. That would have been wild. Um, Rundgren is one of those weird musical geniuses who people don't think of that way because he did bang on the drum. <laughs> but he also can like do like anything. He's kind of like a Nilsson who seems silly, but um is yeah a genius i guess he probably always liked or respected rungren rungren did a remix on um extended version of hesitation yeah. marks yeah weirdly so um resner had jimmy Iovine from interscope records reach out to bob ezrin and say hey you know we need your help to whittle down this track list and sequence the fragile and um he said get me ezrin 
So Ezrin accepted because he said he had a reverent wonder and admiration for Nine Inch Nails after hearing Head Like a Hole. He <laughs> wrote that. Those were his words from At the Corner of Nothing and Nowhere, which is the essay in the definitive fragile. Just the main first radio hit. Well, you know, he if he was into Alice Cooper and Kiss. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Trent Reznor is basically the uh, Alice Cooper of the 90s. That's not true because that was Marilyn Manson, <laughs> I think. But, you know, close enough. Close enough, yeah. Um, so... Ezrin was very excited about this. He said, I had become so enamored of his work, but had never met the man, and everything I heard about him intrigued me, from his methodology to his intensity and genius. I have had the immense privilege in my career of working with some truly great artists, all of whom were forces of nature. I love that. It's what gets me up in the morning, the opportunity to get into the trenches with warriors for their art. I'd heard Trent was one of those, a man of single-minded artistic vision and uncompromising conviction. So I was in. Wow. Okay. Flattering stuff. Mm -hmm. So whenever he got there, he said that Reznor was very forthright about like what the situation was that he found himself in with this album. And he was like flown down to New Orleans, nothing studios, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So he said he was very forthright about the position in which he had found himself. Over the past three years, he had created too much material, even for a double album, all of which he kind of loved. So while he had an underlying sense of theme and consciousness that connected all the work, he hadn't quite arrived at that clear through line that would knit it all together magically and provide the emotional arc that could carry the audience from its start to its finish. He hoped that I would be able to come with an objective view and help them to weave all of these pieces into a coherent narrative tapestry, something that would wrap the listener naturally and compellingly in the whole work. Well, yeah, I think he's like, well, he this guy helped put together the wall. He can probably do my double album justice. But yeah, it's a tall order, but I think it was a good decision to bring in. If we were at a total loss, bring in a unbiased third party Mm -hmm. sure yeah so um ezrin also spoke about this experience on echoing the sound and just kind of described more of what sequencing is oh i did did he he did like a q a on ets yeah i don't know if it was a q a or if it was just like a post Uh, i guess it might have been a q a though right normally that's what oh i don't know i'm sorry to say not a big ets user although i do have an account I just never uh, like to hang out on the internet. <laughs> People don't like me, so. <laughs> I I mean, like, I don't even have a Reddit. I'm not someone who hangs out on, like, message boards or groups. I, d- or... I don't either. I don't have the, the time to devote, but. I wish I did. I'm glad these things exist. Exactly. Um, because when you need some good information, both Echoing the Sound and Reddit, like r slash nin, great resources. And both of those places helped us grow as a podcast so it's good they exist and that's the only reason it's good they exist because they helped my career (laughs) that's what i'm saying here (laughs) so he said on working with trent trent was anything but brain addled at the time we were completing the fragile he was brilliant (laughs) and feverishly recording and mixing in three rooms at the same time to complete the project on time for its scheduled release What he had realized was that he'd created a work that was much longer than was practical to release and that wasn't hanging together the way he had hoped when he created its individual parts. 
Remember, there were thousands of bits of music and lyrics that went into this record and they were recorded asynchronously. My job was to take all of this work and reorganize it more practically and effectively tell the story that originally generated all of these bits. Sort of like editing a film. Trent had shot more than he needed and it wasn't hanging together the way he wanted but he was also tied to the other studios recording and mixing while this was going on. So he needed someone he trusted to come in and take over the editing process and help his film hang together better. First of all, I'm imagining him running from room to room (laughs) of a studio doing three different, because if you've ever worked in a big studio environment, there'll be multiple recording rooms, multiple control rooms, multiple projects might be going on at the same time. What, was it the fragile itself that was still being worked on? Probably we're in this together. Yeah, <laughs> it probably was these last minute, yeah. last minute essays, right? But he, it's crazy that he is, he's been tasked with doing this track, track sequence when the tracks are still being made. Yeah. So I don't know if they gave, I, I read in his big essay, Ezrin's, that he was given, you know, like 50 external hard drives and the laptop thrown in the basement. And they're like, all right, have at it. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. So in his essay, he said, Trent led me down to the basement in a big room with, with floor length curtains on all the walls. Now, he this had... is where they embalmed the bodies. <laughs> well, if it's in the basement, probably, right? I always loved, the, I'm sorry to sidetrack, I always loved the curtain thing that he does. Mm-hmm. And then you can buy um, sound, like sound diffusion, sound absorption curtains. This is what I want. This is my dream. This is my studio dream one day. Who needs all this expensive shit on the walls? Just get these nice curtains wall to wall. That's what Trent always did. And it looked cool too. It's like velvety. Nice. Anyway. I didn't know those existed. Yeah. I just thought this was for privacy. (laughs) (laughs) So he could feel like he's in a little office. Like, he's like, I got my little office. I didn't know there was a practical purpose for yes. it. I mean, it's dec- it is decorative, one, but it yeah. also is, for sound purposes, it's sound diffusion. Hmm. The, I'm learning so many things. It's, it's, I think it's a great uh, uh, sound solution. And you know what? It's goth as fuck. It's super duper goth. It's super Anne Rice. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's yeah, it's practical, less expensive, and well, he might have been buying the world's most expensive drapes. Who knows? But yeah, you can get you can literally get acoustic curtains. Would it be rude if I asked Trent if his acoustic carpet matches his acoustic <laughs> curtains? That's going to be the next animatic. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Back to sequence. It's always some wacky thing that you say. I'm sorry. I'm really dumb. Okay, no, you're not dumb. Okay. So Ezrin's in the in the plate mm-hmm. in the morgue, mm-hmm. the literal morgue with the curtains. Yes, he had arranged for a makeshift studio setup there, including a Pro Tools rig. There What's we that? go. It's just a computer, um, and in those days, it would have. Let's face it, it would have been a big Mac tower, mm-hmm. a G whatever it was in 1999. Mm-hmm with uh the pro Tools software and at the time you had to you had to use the pro tools hardware and um install uh pro tools cards into your computer so it had to be a software hardware 
combination. So you had your rig was your computer plus all your Pro Tools gear. Dang. Okay. A small listening console with some fairly decent speakers and a box of hard drives on which all the pieces of music lived in various stages of completion. Yeah. So a lot of this might not even so, have been finished. He's sequencing songs that might not be finished. He's yet. got rough drafts essentially mm -hmm. on these hard drives that he's given them. He introduced me to a young engineer who would help wade through and organize all the material. I want to know, I, young engineer, who, who was are this? You? This wasn't Dave Rave, was it? I don't know. Dave Rave wasn't all that. Dave Rave had been around a while by this time. I would time. say that Dave Rave was younger than Bob. And you but know how yeah, this when was, you're like. Yeah. I'm like five years older than someone, and I think they're a child. Bob Ezrin would have thought Trent was a young man mm -hmm. as well. Well, he was. I mean, 30. Yeah, he, he's younger than I am now, and he's yeah. making the fucking fragile. What am I fucking <laughs> doing with my life? You're fucking talking about the fucking fragile. And yeah, fucking talking, fucking. piggybacking on someone else's career. Hey. Like a, like a parasite, like a louse. Oh, my God. Like, we're the new media. This is what we do. New media. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like new metal. N-U- I do. Young engineer, media. please write in. We want to know. Why didn't he name? He probably forgot his name, of course. Let's just say mm -hmm. it was Dave Rave. Okay, that's Dave. Okay. All right. He explained to me that this was once the room where the bodies were prepared for burial. I Okay. <laughs> there we go. Mm -hmm. There was something weirdly apt about preparing this body of work in that room for its final resting place. <laughs> Cute, cute, mm -hmm. Bob. The atmosphere was perfect for the work we had to do. Trent thanked me for coming and left us. We were on our own. <laughs> so. All right, I'm really busy. Uh, gotta go. So good luck with <laughs> Working this. Working on, uh, we're in this together. Is that your Trent voice? <laughs> oh, God, that's horrible. Let me try it again. You oh, God, I cannot do impersonations you're, of anyone. No, ask, ask me to say something with an Australian accent. Say something in Australian. Uh, how's it going, Mrs. Australian lady? Let's go to the bar this Arvo. <laughs> what the fuck? That was like, I think that was Scottish or Irish. I don't know. Let's what go doing. to the bar this Arvo. Yeah, it's Irish. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay. Um, what is the thing you tried to teach me how to say? Because you have to do something with the R's. No, if you want to say no in Australian. Uh, oh, yeah. Instead of saying N O, mm -hmm. it's very simple. You say N A R. Nar. <laughs> Ask me a question. Um, are you are you American? Nar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I can't believe. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We have Australian friends who listen, and they will are going to murder us probably. Oh my god! Please don't ever let them hear this. <gasps> oh, they'll hear it. They're gonna unfriend me. <laughs> That was the best Australian accent you ever did, though. They're going to take me out of their top eight. They're going to take me out of their top eight. God, you're, you're crying. She's crying so hard laughing. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Just because you said gnar. I'm, I'm so bad at accents. I can't get over it. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. So here is the start. Trent's engineer, the young engineer, Dave, uh, and I started by loading every single song, song fragment, and instrumental piece that they had finished or even just rough mixed onto the hard drive of the Pro Tool computer. Hmm. I can't remember the exact number of separate pieces we started with, but I recall that it was over four hours worth of music. Damn. Four hours. 
That's too much music. <laughs> we listened to every single second of every single piece to ensure that I wouldn't miss anything of importance. The main songs were obvious for their completeness and their length. So. Okay. Probably Into the Void. He was like, okay, this <laughs> yeah. song's important. Okay, that's a single. <laughs> Lots of little songlets in there, as you will find on, like, deviations later. So some of them, we're talking about the songs, were extremely long and almost hypnotic. Some were economical and to the point. Some things were instrumental tone poems of varying lengths. So, mm. yes. Like a mark has been made type thing. Yes. So he and this engineer would listen to this music and they would categorize it, right? Like by theme. I mean, just think of all the different ways you could categorize a song, right? Yeah. Um, just all these. I'm just imagining like... I wonder if Bob Ezrin is a Virgo. I'm looking up something. I thought you were about to say, I wonder if Bob Ezrin is a virgin. Well. Virgos are known to be virginal. According right? to a YA book I read. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's not. Why? Because Virgos like to categorize? Yeah, I think he's an Aries. Virgos mm. are just extremely organized. Okay. Yeah. And as a Taurus, you're not? I'm organized but messy as fuck at the same time. So Trent, as a Taurus, we can also assume that he's both organized and messy. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I feel that vibe. Okay. Mm -hmm. Would organize, take copious notes, categorize the music in various different ways before he started working on his version yeah. of the sequence, right? Yeah. Um, and Reznor said of him... He had pages and pages of notes, and he was like, let me explain what record you just made. And it was just like a professor grading a paper, and it wasn't all ass-kissing. He was like, here are some weak spots, here are what I think the strengths are, here's my vote for what shouldn't be on the record, and here's my running order. So he was very mm -hmm. honest with them about, like, you know, That's I how think, you gotta be. Yeah. Can't just kiss ass, because then we could end up with bad tracks on the record. <laughs> Do you want to know what... Ezrin's early reaction was to listening to The Fragile? It's, I'm imagining a Gordon Ramsay, he's not British, but a Gordon Ramsay, it's, it's shit, mate. <laughs> well, no? talking about listening to the various pieces, I don't think we're talking <laughs> oh. about, like, as a whole. No, I want, yeah. I'm, no, I'm okay. kidding. What really was it? I was hoping you were going to say Nar, but Nar. So, okay. He said, it was a pure thrill and a real privilege to be able to hear this stuff all together before anyone else outside of the project. All of it sounded amazing, and hearing it in this environment felt as though I'd just been inducted into some elite secret society, because it's goth AF. Mm. There were so many beautiful and powerful pieces in which so much heart was invested that it quickly became apparent why they needed an objective outsider to make the hard choices of which and how much of these magical musical organisms, that's a fun phrase to say, would live <laughs> on and which would have to that's be left behind Beatles for album. the sake Sorry. of effectiveness and practicality. God damn it. Sorry. Yeah, Magical Musical Organism is my favorite <laughs> Beatles album. <laughs> it's a magical, be, be, mystical organism. Musical, not mystical. Musical. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I like mystical better. <laughs> okay. But he felt like he... Even more so with projects that he was the producer of, he felt they had to be even more cautious in this situation working with this, this music. Yeah. He said, I felt a sense of profound responsibility and caution here. These were not my babies, and they were all raised with such care and artfulness that culling from among them had to be done sensitively and with justifiable intention. 
That was the key. I wasn't here just to string together the best-sounding combination of stuff, even though there was a feast of sonic delights that differed from piece to piece, which made me eager to get to as many of the really cool moments into the final form as possible. I was there to help create a deep emotional experience for the listener that best reflected Trent's and his collaborators' intentions. But I had no frame of reference yet. That's more like... This was the first night. I couldn't even look outside for inspiration. That first night, I felt as if I was truly nowhere. Mm. I was going to say that that's more like when he said um, Feast of Sonic Delights, that's more like what Deviations was, where it's not, it's less of an album and more just a very long feast of little sonic treats. <laughs> yeah. Candy for the, for the, uh, the Nin fan, the devoted fan, not something for the casual listener that works as a, uh, album that you sit down and listen to in a reasonable amount of time. Yes. So, whenever he started sequencing, um, he said, this is Ezrin's tips on sequencing, okay? Bob's tips. Bob's tips. Just the tips, said Bob. (laughs) That's stupid. That doesn't make sense. No, cut that. This new sequence is called Just the Tips. Jesus. (laughs) What a dumb hack podcast so (laughs) good god we are we did not sleep enough last night okay Eh. (laughs) so Ezra said the most important thing about a continuous listening experience is defining the four corners of the album first the beginning i wish he had called them quadrants okay i'll just say that for him no defining the quadrants of the album first is that what you want him to say anyway um The most important thing about a continuous listening experience is defining the four corners of the album first, the beginnings and endings of the first and second acts, while staying true to the journey. It was important to fail two or three times. Because let me tell you about this first attempt, it was not successful. So if you you have to make three different track lists before you arrive at the one that's right. I are you saying that he made those track lists? No, that's him. not what I'm saying. But you are mm-hmm. you, are you saying that he failed his first two times? Oh, he failed several times. I'm pretty sure. But yeah. he said though that that last time he failed opened so many doors that the track listing just fell into place in a matter of hours. Like because he was out of combo combinations. <laughs> this is the only one left. The only possible solution. No, with this many tracks, the the. Uh, number of combinations would be astronomical, so the job would be extremely hard. Yeah. So, do we want to talk about what he said his first attempt at sequencing was? Was it really god-awful? Well... Like, it starts with the mark has been made. It's like track one. And... <laughs> well, I don't know what the actual track listing is. Oh. This is just him describing what he thought the story was and how he was sequencing the album based on the story he got in his head, right? Yeah. So I think that maybe Ezrin was a little bit um, influenced by, like, the environment of New Orleans and maybe the uh, funeral home (laughs) studio Mm. and... uh, The gothiness of it all. His gothy sound curtains. Mm -hmm. He said, I don't know why, but almost from the outset, I was visualizing a special kind of hell to which the narrator had been condemned. A tragic, gothic place like the world of the Anne Rice vampire novels. Okay. That became my setting for the story. And in a number of the songs, 
while he was lost in his own way, he seemed to be reaching up from the magma to this pathetic, sad girl and trying to save her from falling in and sharing his fate. The more I listened, the more the fragile became her. I could almost see her, wayfish, tussled eyes wide with profound longing, mascara-tinted tears running down her cheeks. She's a hot goth GF is what she is. Yeah. There's a, I'm hearing a lot of tropes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Maybe that's why this didn't work. She needed love and understanding, but also a resolute commitment to save her. She was headed to hell, and he had to use all his strength to do that. And suddenly the story began to unfold. Instead of Trent unzipping his soul and swimming in his own experiences and feelings as he had done in the past, here he could be a tragic hero focusing on someone else's struggle. His experiences were there as a caution. Things he didn't want her to have to go through. I got really excited about this idea. So I went back through looking for that lyrical thread, those scenes that can make up this eyelid movie. Some songs lent themselves automagically, and that's not a typo. Oh my God. I double checked it like five times. Some songs lent themselves automagically to the storyline. She was clearly somewhat damaged and at times wretched. There really was a day the world went away for her. She was frail. <laughs> he tried. Truly, she made the mark and went into the void. Surely, there was and, a complication. <laughs> and she fucked a lot of stars. Just a lot of stars. Incorporated. He tried to make her understand that she was not alone when he sang, We're in this together. He lamented as he sunk even deeper into the quicksand. I was able to string together a general storyline in six to eight key songs. I felt like I had cracked the code and couldn't wait to talk to Trent about it. Of course, he had to be comfortable with the idea for me <laughs> Trent, to proceed. Trent, this is so good. Trent, you're going to love this, all right? And he explains the vampire and rice thing. Trent's like, that is an abortion. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did throw that away. Start again. So if that was Ezrin's first attempt at sequencing, then this is what Reznor's reaction was. Terrible. <laughs> Halfway through the first side, I was daydreaming. I was looking out the window, and he was afraid that the album was a mess and would never be completed. Hmm. So Ezrin was not able to complete this job in a week. He was supposed to be there only for a week. <laughs> On the day he was supposed to leave, I guess he presented Reznor with another sequence and Reznor was like this isn't working and he said you know what I'm supposed to leave but I'll blow it off I can't leave you in this state because I've never left a project mm -hmm. and so they had like a really deep like heart to heart and Ezrin said he got the insight he needed to create the perfect sequence um, Reznor said he really got into my head and I got into his head he pretty much psychoanalyzed what I had come up with and after that talk he came up with the order that you just heard it wasn't a cry for help so much as we wanted some objective input so um, he ended up working there for weeks according to Ezrin he said it was a totally thrilling process we had so much stuff and so much to say but we needed to tighten it up and review the pacing etc so we were literally working around the clock for what turned out to be weeks until we finally nailed it and I was able to go home weeks supposed nailed to take one week it, you say supposed sorry take, supposed to take one week took weeks how many weeks two three I don't know <laughs> I guess they don't tell us <laughs> I could have told them this is like you know God knows how many tracks a hundred I could have told him it was going to take more than a week. Yeah. So I want to read um, a friend and listener, Adam, sent me an issue of Raygun 
and that's where I got some of this mm. stuff from. So I want to thank you, Adam. Thank you, Adam, for that. But I want to read the opening, um, one of the opening paragraphs to um, that article. Sequestered in this office a few weeks ago, surrounded by grim Joel Peter Wickens photographs, <laughs> and even grimmer Gerald Scarf artwork from the film adaptation of Pink Floyd's *The Wall*, it finally occurred. Hearing his own completed Fragile Masters played back for the first time in an order sequenced by none other than original wall producer Bob Ezrin, the black-garbed, sinister-mystiqued Resner broke down and cried, bald like a wee lost lamb in the woods. A fitting image. He'd been lost for five years, and it was only through the Fragile that he at last managed to find himself again. So here is Resner's own words on how he reacted to that. Mm -hmm. So I sat down right here and I put it on. I didn't have a list of songs, so I didn't know what was coming. And halfway through the first CD was when it hit me, when I started crying. And I was thinking, if it ends now, it'd be perfect. Then I immediately put the second CD on thinking, well, this can't be good because all my favorite songs are on the first CD. <laughs> what else could be left? By the way, this is every fan arguing over which yeah, CD is yeah, better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the good ones are up front, yeah. And then they're like, but wait, no. Okay, but it finished and I was stunned. Like, fucking A, all right. I couldn't believe it. I had goosebumps. Look, I've got goosebumps now just thinking about it. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty ridiculous, right? Wow. Yeah. And uh, he said that on the day that um, Ezrin actually finished The Fragile, um, Resner said that he himself had never examined what I was actually saying with these 20-something songs and um, I realized it could be looked at as two acts. And he sees Ezra as he's leaving the studio. And he says, Bob, you did it, man. And he says, yeah, I know. I got a flight to catch. <laughs> we hugged each other and that was it. Um, but Ezra also sequenced a single disc version of The Fragile and told Resner, Ooh. you want to be really brave? You'd put it out this way. Oh, my God. What? They're just going to say that little thing and we're never going to know what it was? Maybe that was the CDR. That was for the <laughs> I don't know. The Surely that wouldn't maybe, just be. Maybe Ezra's just like, here's a CDR, man. If you're brave, no, you put it out this way. I want to know. I've, okay. Someone's probably already done maybe it. Maybe it was the six to eight vampire girl story. <laughs> He's like, look, <laughs> I know that you like what I came up with. But if we could just revisit this vampire idea one last time. <laughs> this Anne Rice-inspired goth girl. Yeah. He probably, like, took out all the filler. <laughs> Not that there is filler, per se. Took out all the instrumentals and the all-bangers version of the Fragile. Or who knows? It could Maybe they're left in. He probably removed Starfuckers. Or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it opened with Starfuckers. Maybe. It's like, you gotta be Surprise. brave. Surprise! I maybe he know. closed it with Starfuckers. Like, maybe. We're not going to put a nice little. We need, to, yeah. So we need fan uh, fan speculation on what the one disc version is. You know what it is? What? It is. That's what I get. No, times 10. <laughs> times 11. <laughs> Horrible. He really needed to bring in a sequencer while working on Pretty Hate Machine. <gasps> oh. Cut out tracks like, uh, you know, well, I'm not going to name names, but cut out certain tracks. I'm rooting for the Jessica version of the Fragile. <laughs> Is that the all that's what I get version? <laughs> yes. Terrible. I'm just doing that for a friend, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mine would just all be um, down in it skin. So. Why are you so obsessed with that? I don't even remember what skin sounds like. I don't either. It's just a joke. Okay. 
I thought. Anyway, it was just a joke I, if, that apparently I you don't so. remember from an earlier episode. I do remember you making the joke, but I forget what, I don't even know what skin is. I was just listing all the different versions of Down In It. Yeah. Those, that was my dream playlist. And you it was always say skin. But I always say skin because it's when I just stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Anyway. So we have, uh, we have a sequence. Mm-hmm. And it's two CDs, baby, a double album. Hey, Blake, which is the best, CD1 or CD2? I've never uh, thought there was a best. I was never like that. What if there was an industrial accident and you had to lose? <laughs> Fuck these industrial accidents. Have better workplace safety. Uh, Whatever happened place. to OSHA, for God's yeah. sake? Um, what, I mean, one really does have all your favorites, all my favorites, but then... Two also has some pay. I mean, if I get rid of two, I don't have Into the Void, which is Mm -hmm. an all like a. You don't have Where Is Everybody? Yeah. And Please. And lots of amazing songs. Um, Would you be sad about missing Starfuckers, though? I wouldn't be as sad about missing Starfuckers, even though I do enjoy it. It's it's a weird. Not to spoil too much of what we'll talk about in the series, but it's a weird addition to The Fragile. No, it is. I'm not. I I think a lot of people are on that same page. Uh, But yeah, the the left, or, you know, they're called left and right. I don't know when that was decided or why, but they're called left and right. I know what they're called. Um, It's almost like left has all the. It feels like left is more single heavy. Well, it has. It has two singles. It has two singles. Right has one. Yeah. And then it feels like right is more long, experimental, and but I don't, I don't, I think it's actually less long. Feels longer, feels more experimental, more instrumental, trippier, maybe a little bit. But they're, uh, they're, I think they go together. They're of a piece. I like having both. I don't want to get rid of one. <laughs> Who would? Anyway. Bob Ezrin would. Yeah, but he would have <laughs> reordered the whole thing so yeah he definitely had rotation on his uh his definitive one disc version oh definitely had rotation it's like you gotta rotation's the lead single this song's (laughs) gonna change the world and then the master was lost the hard drive was accidentally erased we lost rotation folks (laughs) i thought it'd be fun to make we should do a fan project where we create rotation and what we think it uh would sound like but it might just sound like, uh, just like you imagined. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my theory. I like to think it's where is everybody now, which makes no sense. Rotation, I could see being the name of something that has no lyrics. Yeah. Because you just name it something descriptive. Um, and because just like you imagined, that is kind of... It's mostly that same run of notes over and over and over, like rotating into itself for however long. I don't know. This is this is a tenuous theory, but maybe someone out there. No, you're you're right. I'm just I'm just putting out my bad jokes. Sorry. No, it's good. (laughs) What else you got? I mean, that's it. Did I overlook something that you wanted to talk about? I'm just looking at your outline now. No, that's good. 
what they came up with, I, I'm glad they came up with it. Would you change anything about sequencing? If you really, I, yeah, and I don't mean jokingly or as an industrial accident, like pu thought puzzle. I almost wish that Into the Void and Lemaire were together, but yeah. then I, I do like them balancing out the, right. the sides. I think if, there's a reason why they're separate. Yeah. And it's if that. you're going to separate them, <laughs> one is toward the end of the first disc and the other is toward the beginning of the second disc. So each disc has its own motif. Yeah. It's like an anchor or something, kind of. I don't know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. You wouldn't change anything else? I'm thinking. I mean, there's the whole Starfuckers question, should it even be on there? <laughs> Although it... It's not my favorite, but you know what? I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. I like I, it. The other night you caught me like really getting into it. It's really cool. It just stands out as being a very different one on there. I just looked at the timer and I thought it was two hours, but no, it's only an hour and a half. Hey, that's not bad. That's like speedy not for bad. us, guys. And I bet you Blake will cut like a whole 20 minutes of me just laughing until I yeah, cry. There'll be a lot of that cut. Oh, sorry. Sorry, folks. Okay, so... So I hope you're enjoying the beginning of our Fragile series. Fragile Summer is just kicking off. What comes up next in Fragile Summer? Halo 13, baby. Lucky 13. The day the world went away. We're talking all about that uh, single. Is it a secret Starfucker single? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> then after that... And we got some more cool bonus stuff. Mm -hmm. Are we talking about the Nothing Studio? Yeah. Okay. Nothing Studio. Thanks for listening and for being a patron. If you're listening to this and you're not a patron, why are you stealing our content? Oh my gosh. Thief. Unless you're a child. but <laughs> If you're a child in the car with your parents, close your ears. <laughs> Cover your ears with your hands. Don't take gummies. Don't don't eat your parents' gummies. They're not kids' candy. Nope. It's mommy daddy candy. And also, you're kind of a based kid because <laughs> based kid behavior eating marijuana. Rules. Oh. No, I meant oh, listening to okay. the podcast. Yeah. If you're a fan, well, don't watch the broken movie. Oh yeah, you're too young for that. I'm too young for that. Are you kidding me? Okay. okay. Sorry. Thanks this again. Is going on. Thanks again for sticking with us even when we ramble. And we'll see you at Red Rocks, baby, both nights. 51 days. Oh, yeah. We got the countdown apps going. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Yeah. And Jimmy. I think they both have countdown apps going. Yeah. Anyway. Do you think Rooker's counting down? I think he's just relying on us. I well, he forgot when. about his filter yeah. concert. Oops. We need, <laughs> we're going to have to remind him several times leading up to it to make sure he like gets on a plane. <laughs> Okay. My man. My man. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to Mel Deep and Deep. Bye. Thank you, guys. Mm -hmm.